John Ubaldi with Ubaldi Reports. We're the one website that deals with fact, not fiction, on issues facing America, whether domestically or internationally. We're getting ready to go live officially. We're just trying to get started. We're just um, checking in, um, doing a few little tweaks, and away we go. But there's a lot to talk about. I mean, we can talk about national, I mean, international stuff with the war in Ukraine and some other issues. But um, the big thing we're going to be probably be focusing on is President Biden's poll numbers. Last week, um, Quinnipiac showcased that he is, only has about 33% among most Americans, and he cratered among independents, Hispanics, and especially the youth vote from 30, uh, excuse me, 18 to 31. So that's probably where we're going to focus on, and then we'll talk about some of these other issues that are driving down those numbers. All right, so when you do talk... Um, look at your, look at the phone you're doing it. Okay. Cause it's just kind of look, all they're getting is that like that top of your head. Okay. And it looks like okay, you're so we ready to go. Yeah. All right. Ready? Three, two. Hey everybody. This is John with Ubaldi reports. The one website that provides fact, not fiction on national and international issues. And there's a lot to talk about. With me is my fellow co-host, Big Bad Joe Bitts, who is a retired combat Marine from Iraq, who was actually wounded in Iraq. And then we also have another veteran, a gentleman named um, Ray, who is also a big gun enthusiast and gunsmith. So he knows all about the laws of firearms. And we'll probably dabble into that because some things came up in uh, the news when it comes to um, gun issues. So um, how's it going, Joe? Great, John. How are you? I'm doing well. So how was your day today? Uh, very relaxing. As you can see, I cleaned up the studio a little bit. Yeah, he did do that, and I spent most of the day at work, and my last day is at the restaurant. It's going to be on Saturday. i got another position, and then hopefully that will give me more time to do um, more research and also do more things with TikTok. Well, and- not necessarily where you work, like the actual name of the place, until they start actually paying us some money, but what are you going to be doing? I'm going to be a retail associate working at a um, a gun store. Yeah, like um, where all Marines should be, isn't nice. that right? <laughs> yeah. So I will be selling firearms. I mean, it's not their primary focus. Their f- main focus is to um, provide equipment for the into the vehicles of law enforcement and the tactical um, supplies of whatever law enforcement, sheriff, state. Um, law enforcement agencies need. So yeah. it would be kind of interesting. be more of a professional job than I'm working at a restaurant. But then it's Monday through Friday. I'll have the weekends off. And then I can spend most of my time on the weekends doing more research, writing, and doing more things to impact um, Ubaldi reports. So prior talking to or and going on, you mentioned something that it's like, say, if you had 60 hours at this new job and you had $60, 60 hours in your current job, and you're making the same amount, which one would you rather be doing? The one that my current, the job I'm going to be going to. And you kind of mentioned that because you have a few other employees around the same time that are going to be moving on similar in in your situation. But why is that? Well, because they're working a lot of hours. I mean, they work, we, I average between 50, 55 hours a week. Yeah. They were working more hours because they worked the night shift. Mm-hmm. And they work more hours. So when the store shuts down at 10, they're not, you don't just go home at 1030. You got to clean up the store. You got to shut all down the, all the equipment. You got to clean behind the equipment and think about all the oil that is used 
in a restaurant, especially in a fast food restaurant. So you work your butt off. Now, you do get overtime over, I think it's 40 hours. I think it's the, the typical thing. So I do get overtime, but you really work. And it, you're on your feet all day, and it just takes – it wears on your body. After a while, you just don't want to – you get your only day off is Sunday when they shut the store down. But mm-hmm. you don't, you don't want to just spend your day off working. Yeah. I mean, some, excuse me, sleeping. So during the week, it's hard to get anything done when you need to get things done because you get a, they usually give you a day off, but sometimes you don't get a day off. You work six straight days. Yeah. So it's, but it's just, it, it, it got me going. They hired me when no one else would hire me because they saw that my experience, my education, and then they, my background, everybody says you're just way overqualified. So, but going into this other job, it's more of a professional job. I'll be meeting more people in a professional level. I'm not kind of diss the current job that I'm, I'm, I'm coming from, but it's just a, a different venue. And then I can spend, with weekends off, I can spend more time doing my research and I can start writing more, which I used to do. And it's been kind of hit or miss because I'm just exhausted by the time I do some of that stuff. Yeah, so, um, but even for this job here, you got almost the same spiel as you did with your pre or your current job right now, is that you're overqualified. Yeah, that's just, it's just the nature of the beast. They see my age, they see my military background, my education, and my experience. They just, you're overqualified. But I'll do whatever I have to do to get what I need to do. And my whole focus is, is to get Ubaldi Reports off the ground. I would like to do it as an internet radio uh, program and much like um, maybe different in some respects on the, the their content like a Joe Rogan or some others but I just want to provide I've always wanted to provide fact not fiction as it comes to domestic and um, international issues and many people come up to me because they know I like politics they know I understand the government and how it functions and I would just like to explain things in a, not a simplistic manner but just explain things what is going on so most Americans can make an informed decision, mm-hmm. whether they agree with me or whether they don't agree with me. But I just give them the facts, and they make their own decision of what direction they want to go. So, like Joe Rogan gets like a hundred million, we just want like a hundred thousand. Yeah, he well he got a t- <laughs> we want like a tenth of a percent. Well, yeah, but he got a two hundred million dollar <laughs> some type of contract with Spotify. Yeah. To have his Come show on, on Spotify, yeah, check no, us out. I'm not expecting a hundred million, but if I can get like um, it's a hundred thousand a year, a hundred thousand a year will set us set us right. Yeah, and then we can expand this um, this program. And what I want to do is bring guests in from across the country. Like I emailed, and I know Joe's going to slap me around for this. Ooh, ooh, is it Jonathan Turley? Jonathan Turley, the constitutional scholar, or Victor David Hansen? Victor David Hansen. But I even emailed. Um, Lieutenant General H.R. McMasters, who was Trump's national security advisor. At one point, I, when he was at the Hoover Institute, I even emailed General Mattis, who was Trump's Secretary of Defense. Now that there's a video element here, I need to have like a whiteboard yeah, but with, I mean, the, with those names on it. And every time you say those names, I go like, chick, chick. But what I also want to do is bring in other experts or other um, analysts who come on who we can discuss things about economics when there's an issue regarding the law. Like right now... A big issue in the day or right now that's being formulated is Elon Musk trying to buy Twitter. It would be nice to have someone who has an expert in um, 
what is it, business a business law to discuss what does it mean when you go to the shareholders between the shareholders and the board. How it, does that how does that work? Now, speaking of which, isn't the DOJ kind of getting involved in that right now too? Um, I haven't heard so much the DOJ is getting involved, but eventually, if Elon Musk buys Twitter. He has to get approval, I think, from the SEC. Okay, I think, and that was, is that going to be a problem since he already had a current situation going on with the well, SEC? Well, we'll have to see. They just want to see that it's it's fair and equitable, but we'll have to see um, how that goes. But this is where bringing on an expert in the field who can we can ask that question: How does that work if you buy a corporation? Yeah, like Elon Musk comes in and buys Twitter. What does it mean between the? And I've heard this from. Obviously, Jonathan Turley, when he mentioned the shareholders, their job is to, uh, to to maximize profit for whatever investment they have. But Twitter, through their board, has alienated half the country because they seem to stifle free speech when it comes to anything that they disagree with or any conservative thought. So how does that work when the board acts one way? And it goes against the shareholders who want to maximize profit to expand the the bit the um, the financial reach or the financial payout of a Twitter. So there's kind of like a correlation that I kind of I, I saw, um, which is with they, they call it the poison pill. Like the the, the they were talking about Twitter um, board was talking about exercising the poison pill, which means I guess they would double their stocks and then it would just make the value of it less, which would make the shareholders own less of the stock, but giving them a discount. But beyond that, I kind of noticed something similar is that is this administration or are they kind of using that poison pill option where they're looking? It looks like they're trying to devalue America from where like where we are. And like the media seems to be like a real big epicenter of that, of taking America down a couple notches. What the administration is doing is, he, if you remember during the campaign, he campaigned as a moderate, that he was steady Joe. He was the moderate. But then when he, can't, uh, when he gets into office, he's governing as a progressive. So what he's doing is he's, he's adhering to that progressive ideology. And this factors in to what I said at the start of the program before we went live is – Quinnipiac had a poll, and they're a reputable pollster. And for the past two months, two months ago, they said that Joe Biden was in the 30% range of support. But they they base it off trends, and each month it's been about the same. And then just last week, Quinnipiac came out with its poll and showed that only 33% of the American public support his administration. And he's cratered among independents. They're at 29%. And then... Hispanics have 26% support with um, the youth population, which is 18 to 35, Mm -hmm. at, I think, about 21%. But a lot of people are seeing, by pushing that progressive ideology, we're seeing record inflation. Inflation's running at 8.5% because, as we discussed on the last podcast, um, last week the Consumer Price Index came out with inflation running at 8.5%. Then the Producer Price Index went to a record high, the largest increase since 1982 at 11.2. And this is all the items that go into making a product. Mm -hmm. So people, as we discussed on the phone today when I was at a break from work, and remember what I said is 
you go to the grocery store, you pay a higher food price. And every time you drive your vehicle, you everybody passes a gas station. And at some point, I consistently look at the gas prices now. Do you know I almost, almost filled up my tank under $90 today? Yeah, so... But I mean, but think about this. Every time you drive, when I go to the gym every morning, I pass a couple gas stations. And every time I'm looking, and like yesterday, the price was one was one way. And then all of a sudden, you come back, it's 20 cents higher. Mm-hmm. And this plays a factor. Like the, the current job I have at the restaurant, they're paying higher labor costs, higher fuel costs, energy costs, utilities. Um, than they were a, a year ago. Their um, food costs are much higher. And then all their supplies, all their paper products, all their goods and services that go into making that product are substantially higher. We can't get the products that we need. And before I came over here, there was a big segment on the news about the supply chain and some of the challenges going into that. And you have what's going on in China and they're locked down because of coronavirus. And you have... So many issues going on, and this is why Joe Biden's poll numbers are cratering because he doesn't seem to have an answer except we need to spend more money and tax more. Now, Fred Smith, the CEO of Federal, Exp- uh, Federal Express, he even stated that had they passed their Build Back Better agenda, that would have sent inflation. I mean, estimate uh, inflation would have been over twenty percent. Yeah, well, we're. I mean, I think we're talking. We were also talking about how they're kind of trigger. They're, they're trying to trigger a recession versus let it happen naturally. Well, it's is, not that, the, is that almost like inducing a coma versus letting the person go into a coma kind of thing? Is it is it better if we have not, a control going into a recession? Well, it's not like President Biden is trying to. No president wants to induce a recession, but what he's doing is. He, what he's trying to do is fix inflation, but everything he's doing mm-hmm. is making it worse. Yeah. Because the whole point of inflation is too many, too much money chasing fewer goods. And what he's done is he's stimulating the demand side and not fixing the supply side. So we do have uh, somebody on Twitter. It's user, lots of numbers. I hope he knows what, who we're talking about. But he's saying, uh, how do we get rid of them? And I'm pretty sure he means Biden. So... What is your opinion when it comes to that? How do we get rid of Joe Biden if we had an option like that? Right now, there's there's no way to get rid of him beyond impeachment. And you don't need that? We can't get that until we have a House? Well, but even if you had the House and the Senate, you need a, a two-thirds majority to out of the House and in the Senate to impeach the president. You okay. really need a high bar. And the Republicans, I mean, they're going to gain seats in the Senate and in the House. But, but not they, enough. Not enough. But you can't. Well, you can, but the impeachment, unlike what the Democrats did with Donald Trump, impeachment is for high crimes and misdemeanor. And Mm -hmm. Alexander Hamilton wrote a, when he wrote the Federalist Papers, this is for some of our listeners, not to to downgrade everybody's intelligence, but the Federalist Papers were written by John Jay, James Madison, Alexander Hamilton. This was trying to sell the U.S. Constitution. So when Alexander Hamilton wrote the bulk of the Federalist Papers, but on this aspect, when it came to impeachment, impeachment had to be a high bar to reach. I think you just stop for a second, John. I'm sorry. 
I forgot to hit record. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was I got wrapped up in Damn. so the streaming got a lot. I don't know if we can replay the streaming. We'll just keep it going from here. But I mean, let's just hit just, just uh, hit record. So three, two, one, just start it all over again. But we'll kind of just carry over. Maybe I'll get Jimmy okay. to salvage any some of this. Yeah. So we we had a technical difficulty. So we're gonna well, a lot of people on Twitch got a good show. Okay, so we got a good switch. So anyway, um, <laughs> wait, hold on, three. Two, one. This is John at Ubaldi Reports, the one that providing fact, not fiction, on global and national issues as it faces America. And where we left off was just uh, we're trying to see how we, you can get rid of the uh, President Biden because he's not uh, governing the country the way it should be governed. We're having high inflation, a lot of, a lot of issues facing the country. But like I was telling Joe... You can impeach a president, but that has to be a high crimes and misdemeanor. Now, Alexander Hamilton wrote in the Federalist Papers, and just to let some listeners who may not be familiar with the Federalist Papers, it was written by John Jay, James Madison, and Alexander Hamilton to sell the Constitution to the American people. Oh, real quick, Mad Marine said hi. Okay, hi to Mad Marine. But what Alexander Hamilton said, that the re, the, to impeach a president, it had to be a high bar, mm-hmm. high crimes and misdemeanor. But they wanted it to be, you needed to get rid of this person now. You couldn't wait to an election. Yeah. Now, what the Democrats did with um, Donald Trump is both his impeachments didn't meet that bar, especially the second one. He was already out of office, so it was an immaterial act. What they were trying to do in the second impeachment is to get him impeached so he wouldn't be able to run again. Yeah. The first impeachment was just, it, was, it did not meet that high bar. Many constitutional scholars, including Alan Dershowitz, who was the lead uh, lawyer for the Trump team, and he was a liberal, still is a liberal, but he felt you did not meet that high crimes and misdemeanor. Jonathan Turley was the same way, and many others felt that way. Mm-hmm. The other way is through the electoral process. Now, the president's not up for re-election until 2024. And, but what you can do is in 2022, you can stymie his administration by, um, um, what do you call it, by voting. And if the Republicans take the House and take the Senate, that means they can push their agenda. Now, whether President Biden signs it or not, this could be a replication of what happened in 1994. Bill Clinton won, re-ele- won election in 92, assumed the presidency in 93, and he governed as a very liberal president. When he got rebuted, refu- uh, rebuked by the, the voting population in 94, the Republicans took the House and took the Senate. Unlike what Barack Obama did in 2014 when he lost the House in 2010 mm-hmm. and then he lost the Senate in 2014, instead of triangulating to the center, he just doubled down on being more progressive. Bill Clinton did the opposite. He triangulated to the center, co-opted a lot of Republican um, issues like welfare reform, the crime and other issues, and the Republicans and Democrats primarily work together instead of having an antagonistic. So if the Republicans take the Senate and the House, Mitch McConnell said, we will force Joe Biden to be a moderate. And that's about the only way you can do this. So we'll have to see from there. So pretty much Congress will just stalemate them. They'll stalemate them and they can um, 
maybe override it with other Democrats supporting that. We'll have to see how that goes. But I still think if the Republicans take the House and take the Senate in November, I believe there's going to be a civil war among the Democrats. Because unlike the Republicans, Republicans have a Freedom Caucus. Mm -hmm. These are very staunch conservative. They believe in no tax, I mean, less taxes, um, strong national defense, less government. Most of the Republicans believe in that. It's just going about how they go about it. Mm -hmm. In the Democratic Party, you have your progressive, very socialistic wing. They believe in something totally different than what the moderate Democrats believe in. They're anti-American. They believe they're anti-capitalism, anti-free market. They believe in a much expansive um, government bureaucracy into all phases of our life. Heavy taxes, heavy regulation, control of everything. And the big thing that they're, they're, they're focusing on now, at least for the Republicans, and this was what got Glenn Youngkin um, the win in uh, Virginia, is education. Mm -hmm. People are tired of their children being taught um, issues about self um Gender identity. Now, New, New Jersey is pushing gender identity, uh, sexual orientation, starting in second grade. Many parents are revolting against that. So um, these are some of the things that we're going to the, the president's going to have to deal with. And this is what's galvanizing both parties to go against his agenda. Now, we were also talking about, you got a, a couple of hits on TikTok about over this, was uh, the poll numbers. You mentioned about the president's poll numbers, how they're utterly tanking, and, you know, why? Well, a lot of the reasons why his, that was from Quinnipi Quinnipiac. The last couple of months they've been showing he's been, he's been in the 30% range. And then they came out within three months in a row it showed this is not just a tr it's now a trend mm -hmm. that he's at 33% approval rating yeah and a lot of it has to do with inflation and i talked about this on a radio show i was on this morning people are concerned what's going on in ukraine they yeah. really are but in the next sentence it's gas prices are going up mm -hmm. food prices are going up so when you drive your car, like I said, every time I go to the gym in the morning before I go to work, I pass three or four gas stations, and you see the price of gasoline going up. Every time you go to the, the grocery store, food prices are up, and many and rent, utilities, mm -hmm. used car, new car, everything you buy is gone up. I work at a restaurant, at least for the next couple of days, and we face higher labor costs. Higher uh, food costs, higher uh, material costs with all the paper products we use. Our utility costs have gone up. We pay a surcharge on all our vendors coming in for their fuel costs. So everything is going up, and it's probably going to get worse, not better. Now, Fred Smith, he is the CEO of Federal Express. He said that had the president passed his Build Back Better agenda, inflation would be almost double what it is now. Mm-hmm. Because you're sending more money into the economy, but they're still chasing too few goods. Yeah. And that's a classic example of inflation. Even um, the former Larry Summers, the Treasury Secretary for Bill Clinton and the Senior Economic Advisor for Barack Obama, stated last year before they passed the American Rescue Plan, 
yeah, I agree with spending on getting more of the vaccine out and fixing the supply chain, but spending $2 trillion is, is the wrong approach, and you're only going to see inflation. And now President Biden wants to blame corporate America. He wants to blame the coronavirus, and now the adage he's blaming Vladimir Putin. But inflation was rising, and the, the, the statistics show it. Ever since they passed the American Rescue Plan, Inflation has gone up uh-huh. percentage points, and you see it 2%, 3 4 5 And ever since about October, it's gone from like 6% to 7% to 8%. And we'll have to see where it's at when they come out for April's. What's the highest it's ever been? Like national, um, or throughout the— Throughout history, I would have to go back, but the latest when it was under Jimmy Carter— Inflation got up to as high as 13, 14%. Wow. And interest rates were at 21%. Now, many economists have stated that the only way to break the back of inflation, you have to raise interest rates above what inflation is. So Mm -hmm. if inflation is 8.5%, that means you need interest rates to be 9 and 10%. Someone needs to tell Ray that he's not buying a house anytime soon. I knew that getting an apartment. <laughs> well, okay, but even that, interest rates for a home have gone up to 5%. So mm-hmm. when interest rates start to go up, you start to diminish how many people can buy homes. Mm-hmm. And then how many pe- how many businesses can get loans? So what they do is they just they don't invest back into their company. They don't make the the needed capital improvements. They just st- they just stay put. Mm-hmm. And that hits a recession. Like when Paul Volcker, who was the Treasury Sec- excuse me, the um, Federal Reserve Chair, he was appointed by President Jimmy Carter about 1979, and he did what needed to be done. He tightened the money supply, raised interest rates substantially. It shut inflation down, but what it also did is sent us America into a deep recession in 81, 82. Mm-hmm. But it, was for the, it wasn't for the tax cut, the deregulation, and other business-friendly approaches by President Reagan, and we, we stormed right out of it. Yeah. Because in 1984, um, the GDP went up about 7%. So is that going to be the play maybe coming into 2024, like once this administration is out and a new administration comes in? They kind of just like kind of cut a bunch of regulations like Trump did and just kind of build it right back up. Well, we'll have to see who is the Republican nominee. I mean, it, probably DeSantis. It could be Governor DeSantis of Florida. It could be Donald Trump or it could be somebody else. But they need to bring back a pro-business approach and some of the regulation that Joe Biden done. Get the Federal Reserve to focus more on the monetary policy and not get into this woke policy because many of the appointees to the Federal Reserve, the SEC, and other financial institutions have a progressive climate agenda that you must adhere to climate. Like um, an example, they want the energy companies to see how climate change factors in not just what you do, Mm -hmm. but all the way down the product to the consumer itself. And it's just per- putting these prohibitive rules and regulations on. They don't really need to be there. Is this current administration kind of like maybe disciplining America for electing someone like Donald Trump to come into office? This is what I tell people. When Donald Trump ran for um, president in 2016, people need to realize the people who voted for him don't like him. 
And yeah. what I mean by that is they don't like his rhetoric. They don't like his bombastic. They don't like his always got their attack mode. But what they what they were tired of is both Republicans and Democratic administrations did everything they could to hollow out manufacturing and ship those jobs either to Mexico, but mainly ship those jobs to China. The two industries that really made out were the financial institutions or financial financial sector and the technology sector. They shipped all these jobs to China. Like when President Biden first came into office, the first official act was to end the Keystone XL pipeline. And what that did is it ended energy sector jobs. This is blue-collar, high-paying, high-wage jobs. Mm-hmm. But they didn't... Do, and the ones that benefited are the tech companies and the financial sector. And this is why people voted for Donald Trump. He was like, I'm tired of my job going over, but you're benefiting. And, and they it, just see this stat. And both parties were, were akin to this. They see them benefiting at the expense of them. And then Biden just got elected because he's not Donald Trump? Joe Biden got elected because he's not. And I said this on the radio program this morning. He wasn't Bernie Sanders. He wasn't an Advent socialist. But he wasn't, when he got the nomination, he wasn't Joe, um, Donald Trump. So when he ran for the presidency, he was one of the first presidents that I can remember who didn't have a core support group. Like when Barack Obama ran, he had a core network of supporters. Mm-hmm. They just loved what he said, loved what he meant. Joe Biden didn't have that. He was like the default candidate. He wasn't Bernie Sanders, and he wasn't Donald Trump. And he campaigned as a moderate. Now, I know I mentioned this many times. Victor Davis Hanson from the Hoover Institute stated that Biden made a Faustian bargain with the progressives. Everybody noticed that with all the riots going on up until the election, automatically stopped as soon as Joe Biden got elected. Mm -hmm. So what he said, that Faustian bargain was, you don't criticize us, but we'll get you elected. But once you get elected, you have to do our bidding. And you've noticed everything he does does the bidding of the progressive left, mm-hmm. the very socialistic left. Yeah. Now, one of the things he's talking about doing is he extended the moratorium on student loan debt. Now, Donald Trump did it twice, but this was in the middle of the pandemic. Now, Joe Biden kind of says the pandemic is over, so he extended it again to August, I think, 31st or something. Mm -hmm. But now what they're floating, because his poll numbers among the young between 18 and 35 has cratered, they're talking about forgiving a certain amount of student loan debt. So let me ask you a question about, so we have Ray. Ray went to Colorado for to be a gunsmith. Um, Did you use the GI Bill for that? Yeah. Okay. Use the post nine eleven GI Bill. So you use a post nine eleven GI Bill. Is he going to be uh, entitled to any reimbursement of that if he has? No. Any, do you have any? Do you have any loans or any debt out there? No. The oh, way well, look the, at you. The way it sounds, it looks like if you have federal student loan debt to a pri- to a public university, okay, you're eligible. So if private you, doesn't count. It sounds like if you went to a private university, you're SOL. And if your loan isn't backed by the federal government, you're SOL. So what is is that going to maybe kind of maybe spark the recession? Or well, is it- there's two school of thoughts. 
one school of thought said, and maybe they're both aligned with each other, said if they forgive student loan debt, he wants to do it up to $10,000, but he wants it through congressional action. The progressives under Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, and Ocasio-Cortez and others, they want him to forgive up to $50,000 of student loan debt. Now, the first, one school of thought is that's going to just skyrocket inflation. And the other part of it is that's just going to balloon the debt because somebody's got to pay for that. I mean, when you take the student loan debt totally among the entire U.S. population, it's about $1.6 to almost $2 trillion. It's not, it's not in a vacuum. Someone's paying. So what you're telling is anybody that didn't go to college or anybody that paid off their student loan debt, you're paying for somebody else. Mm-hmm. So that is going to have a detriment to the economy. What am I going to get? I mean, I didn't go to school. So you're paying off somebody else's student loan debt. Do I get maybe like a $10,000 reprieve or on no, something? Maybe do, like well, maybe you, take hey, maybe they could take $10,000 off my uh, car payment. You, nope, don't work like that. But my see, mortgage? But here's the here's the other point is um, if he forgives that student loan debt, I'm not so sure he has the constitutional authority to do that because if he can forgive, let's just say, up to $50,000 in student loan debt, what's to say a Republican president comes in, okay, you forgave something, we're going to forgive anybody that's got a federally financed mortgage or anything that's the federal government, we're going to forgive that. Ooh, I have an FHP loan. So, Okay. <laughs> Let's say let's just go with veterans. If you have a VA home loan, there we go. We're gonna we're gonna forgive your VA home loan. Hallelujah, President DeSantis. Thank but, you very much. Wait, hold on. Don't do that till I get a house. There you go. <laughs> but but the point is, if you do that, somebody's paying for this. Mm-hmm. And what they didn't, what most people don't know, it's gonna be our kids. So those suckers can pay for this oh, debt, yeah, and, yeah. and dad's gonna go. You know. Okay, but here's what people don't know: the ones that want to forgive student loan debt, and that includes Joe Biden, all those progressives, they're the ones that caused that in the first place. Now, the reason I say that, what people don't know, and the media doesn't follow up on this, and I'm surprised for somebody who works fifty, sixty hours a week, I found this out when they passed these, the Affordable Care Act. A writer went with it. It was like, I think it's called the Student Affordability Act. And that passed three weeks later. That And a writer is something that is attached to the main bill that is unrelated to that bill. Mm-hmm. So what they did is they nationalized student loans. Yeah. So they took it away from the banks. The federal government became the repository of all student loans. So the colleges were exempt. They weren't held to any standard. So they... Student, the colleges say, let me see how this works. Students always want to go to school. Federal government will always loan them money. We're out of the kick, so we can raise our tuition as fast as we want and as much as we want. I think maybe a, a better way to avoid student loan debt is to not make college the the benchmark for people to get good jobs around here. A doctor, I understand. A lawyer, I understand. But like your friend is going to be a nurse and she's going to a nursing school. She's not going. But like I know that if you sent me to a class as the same person as another class that I could probably, you know, depending on the curriculum, it'd be even matched. And then I get a certificate saying, hey, Joe is now a... Uh, a teacher or Joe is now um, an accountant because you know how to do math. I mean, teachers, I can understand, should have that college level 
kind of you know education doctors lawyers um scientists i think you're on the right path i i would say just because this is my 10th year out of high school so i'm a little closer to high school than you're you're a little out of high school a little bit longer yeah, yeah. it's it was definitely a different way of life um because when i announced that i was going to the marine corps in my high school they kind of looked at me weird like oh you're not going to college why not and that was like the path for everybody nobody knows what they want to do in life the second they graduate high school but you're almost like kind of forced into going to uh college because that's what the high school wants you to do Mm -hmm. so you know then all of a sudden 18 year old kids get racked up in a six-figure debt yeah, and they have no idea what they actually intended to go to college to study for. I mean, but like see, I, even in my job right now, I'm I, I can be close to making six figures, depending on how much how many hours I want to put in. But I have zero. I have like maybe honestly, I have about a week's worth of training, and then basically it's just kind of just like grinding it out. There's truck drivers in New York City that are making upwards to $150,000 a year, and all they're doing is tossing trash into a truck. And not not taking down their job or anything like that, but you know, I remember when you you faced this a couple of times too going to you're probably a little bit different, but going to like a job fair and there, I have all these qualifications, and I can go in with more qualifications than somebody else, but they're going to take them because they have a college education, and I don't. Well, but here's the other part. There's two phases to your original question. Everybody, we gear, everybody needs to go to college. My younger brother didn't go to college, and he's a superintendent for um, a construction company. He makes a high six-figure salary. He makes four times what I make. The other side of the coin is, which we don't – was, which was never addressed when they passed the Affordable Care Act and that rider that went with, it, with mm-hmm. it, that Student Affordability Act, student loans were a problem then. Yeah. Once they passed both, and Bernie Sanders, um, Joe Biden, when he was, in the, he was the vice president, so he supported this, put it on steroids. And you look at the numbers, you look at the statistic, after 2010, the increase in student loan debt skyrocketed. Yeah. The other factor is you're not looking at these colleges and say, why are you using the administrative state on the colleges skyrocketed far more, far high, higher than anything? We thought in um, health care costs went up. Nothing went as high as that administrative side in colleges. We've got to stop gearing every job that you must have a college degree. Mm-hmm. Now, an example, I've always said vocational training. Now, I mean, Ray, you've got you were a gunsmith. You can make a good living as a gunsmith. Yes. There are the building trades, you know, plumbers, electricians, carpenters, welders. Okay, but there also needs to be a secondary track when it comes to high technology. I have a friend of mine who's the owner of a cybersecurity company. I asked him when that when Russia hacked into, I think, was the electrical grid in the United States last year. And I asked him, do you need a college degree to be a, um, a cybersecurity analyst or person? And he goes, no, the people that hacked in, they don't have college degrees or masters or PhDs. They just have the ability to hack. I also know somebody who owns a drone company. 
I go, do you need a cyber um, a college degree? He goes, no. As long as you have the certifications, the, the temperament, and the ability to do this job, we'll hire you. Mm-hmm. So we've got it. And I've talked to a local congressman, but it's like it's like knocking on wood. These guys, and this was a Republican. They 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 say what? Oh yeah, I got it. That's a good idea. But they don't do anything with it. Yeah, they don't. And that's why our educational system is deficient. We spend close to eight hundred billion dollars a year from the federal state and local level on education but we're at the bottom of the pack yeah we spend more than any industrialized country on education and we're no further along and that's why this whole revolt of the parents because they're putting this woke ism into the schools like the um, i don't know if everybody remembers oregon took away all testing to graduate high school Sweet. because because what they want to do is be more equitable yeah. California got rid of the SAT as the test to get you into how you perform academically to get into college because a lot of Hispanics and blacks weren't doing well. They've got they've said that meritocracy like San Francisco, meritocracy is racist. If you study you should be able to get into the school you don't. And if you don't do that, you shouldn't get in. And they sh- instead of looking at why a lot of blacks and Hispanics aren't getting in, like San Francisco is the most progressive city in the country, 17% of African Americans can't do basic math or English to grade level. Yep. That, that's, and that's vindictive all across the country. So I should be able to walk up to MIT and be like, you're going to take me, and they can't say no because I'll be like, I guess you're ageist yeah, but, or you're racist. Yeah, or you're- <laughs> but instead of finding out why individuals aren't passing the test or getting in Mm -hmm. we'll just end it like new york got rid of under mayor de blasio these high performing schools because only asians and whites were getting in he says it's it's not equitable because hispanics and blacks or african-americans aren't getting in well instead of asking the question why aren't they getting in we'll just end the program send these kids back to the regular failing public schools yep all right, John, how can they get a hold of us? Now, there's a couple ways. You can go to UbaldiReports at gmail.com. Have you, you checked that yet? Yeah, I got to check it. There's UbaldiReports at gmail.com. You can go to Twitter. You can go to TikTok, which we are on right now. Mm-hmm. You can go to uh, um, Facebook at Ubaldi Reports, Instagram at Ubaldi Reports, but also, most importantly, go to YouTube, hit like or subscribe, and what we're trying to do is boost it up so we can start Really getting this ball a rolling. Yeah, because we have eight viewers right now. We just need we need some more. We need a lot more. So go to YouTube, hit like and subscribe because we do this every Wednesday at seven thirty ish, Eastern Standard Time. And once we really get this going, then we can do this full time. My ultimate goal is to do this every day and post it every single day, so we can at least give you some um, factual information about global and international issues. And then if you have questions, send it through. And whether we agree with me or not, we can debate these issues. So we, you guys can, you and the listeners can make informed decisions of what's going to face their country. All right. So everybody have a great day. Nothing really to say about live streaming except we're doing it. So catch us on live stream on Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, and get to see John's beautiful face on Twitch. So everybody, 
Have a great day, and we will talk to you soon. And keep listening to Evolving Report.